when Poor Lee is getting it bad today, isn't he? <laughs> he always does. <laughs> oh, he is. He's already broken in. Man. <laughs> Tony, Tony's ready to lay into me. <laughs> this is good stuff. This is the RC Roundtable, a casual discussion about all aspects of flying model airplanes. All right, hello everybody. Welcome back to the RC Roundtable. Joining me as usual is Terry Dunn. Hello there. Top of the morning to you. And Lee Ray. Hello. Hey Lee. Remember, hey, how you doing? And also we got a very special guest today. We have joining us... Tony Accurso. Hey guys. Yo, Tony, how you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's awesome. Thanks for joining us. We really look forward to having a show with you at this time. All right. Well, let's uh, jump whoa, right Whoa, whoa. Tell, tell our listeners who Tony is. We Tony will Tony. later. Do it now. <laughs> no, later. Because <laughs> he's going to start talking. They're going to, who's that guy? Who's Tony? <laughs> Fitz likes a drama element, I have a feeling. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll, Tony's this guy. All right, now we can go. He's like this guy, you know. <laughs> he does things. He he flies planes. We he found flies. him on the street corner. He's flying a little up. Yeah. Right he says we'll fly for food. I think on a sign. <laughs> Heck, we fly for flying smoke in California right now. Ooh. Oh yeah, that's right. Yes, Tony joins yeah. us from the sunny California, sunny and hot and smoky and fiery. Uh, yes, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. If it's not the mudslides, it's the rest forest fires. Uh, yeah, Fitz and I were from the wet state, so... <laughs> <laughs> Terry's from the snowy state, you're in the smoky state. I am. <laughs> All right, well... It's a big state. Which part are you in? So I'm in the, in the high desert, about 100 miles north of Los Angeles, just next to Edwards Air Force Base, where I work. Okay. So, if it's that smoky, it's really hot in the summertime. It's pretty hot out here in the summertime. Right now, we're dealing with 15 degrees in the morning and about 66 in the afternoon, which is perfect. Oh, yeah. Life in the desert. Uh, (laughs) Extremes. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get on to the news real quick. Uh, Speaking of smoking, we just had word that uh, the model company ESM has ceased production of their kits. And so, and there's no word if they're ever going to pick up production. Apparently, they moved their factory and decided for some reason they wouldn't open it up back again. So, the U.S. importer is saying, get them while you can because you may not be able to get any more. And I don't know about you guys, but I've actually had my eye on one of the ESM big birds that they sell. And it looks really nice. A little bit Mm. on the pricey side, but uh, it's one of those things like, you know, what can I sell to get one before they're all gone? You guys, absolutely, absolutely. I had been eyeballing a uh, ESM Sky Raider for quite some time, and went on EQ Models earlier this evening, and sure enough, they're clearing them all out, and I think offering free shipping as well to move the inventory. Yeah, free shipping, and that's not insignificant because those are some big models. Uh, so right. that is something you want to take. In fact, they were at a fly-in. We were at uh, Best. You remember, guys? Uh, Lee, I think you remember. You were there. Yeah, the VQ Models guy, and so there's some big boxes. Yeah, I didn't buy anything. <laughs> well, the shipping would have been cheap then. Well, yeah, yeah, it would have been free. <laughs> well, I, I had already bought a whole bunch of stuff from other people, so I was like, ah, I already spent too much money. Uh, but they are very nice kits. A lot of the, the kits have uh, fiberglass fuselages with a panel line detail. And uh, and there's some really big 80-inch models and that kind of stuff. And some unusual subjects, too. So, 
Um, yeah, I've so got their Val. The I think it's 80 inch, and it's got a 30 cc gas engine on it. I have never flown it, and actually, I've never really inspected it that much. It was an airplane that I got in a trade, and I didn't have time for it immediately, so it just kind of went to the back burner. But I can tell you that it is very well built, and it looks really good too. Mm-hmm. So, can't wait till the day that I get to it. <laughs> uh, I was thinking of doing an electric conversion. What the model I was looking at, uh, which is you know, big, stubby. Uh, they have a Raiden, the J two Raiden, a Japanese interceptor that's very mm-hmm. rarely modeled. Uh, so I've been having my eyeball on that. So I had to make some hard decisions the next couple of days. Yeah, no doubt. And when I was on earlier, quite a few had already sold out. So uh, they're moving the product. So uh, mm. get them while you can, no doubt about that. Yeah, it's unfortunate they're closing, but uh, uh, maybe they'll start productions. Maybe they won't, but it's, uh, it, it's, I guess, part of the hobby. The companies come and go. It's kind of a natural thing, and sadly. Maybe it's just a ruse. <laughs> maybe they're just saying they're going to close the factory to... To spike some sales. <laughs> it's like those furniture stores are always having a going out of business sale. <laughs> Everything must go. Everything must go. <laughs> Every six months. Everything must go. Wait a minute. Weren't you going out of business? We're crazy. <laughs> well, my favorite is that it's it doesn't say going out of business. It says going out for business. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on, on brighter news, uh, Spectrum has come out with a, a, a new transmitter, something called an IX12, uh, that which is uh, interesting. Uh, I have some thoughts, but maybe I'll let you guys talk first. See what you think of this new beast. Oh, I'm laughing so hard. <laughs> did, I'm laughing because did y'all happen to see my comment when it came out? I think I actually posted it on Horizon. I got, got a lot of good feedback. But the actual video, the marketing video, says, hey, you can use your radio to text your friends when you're heading out to the field. Because <laughs> that's I, way I, more wow. convenient than picking up your phone. I mean, that, <laughs> yeah. was, that was on the marketing plan. It's like, yeah, use your radio to text your friends. Hey, I'm, it reminded me of that Mr. Microphone commercial, you know, from the early 80s. <laughs> hey, fine lady, we'll come back to pick you up later. You know, like, <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. It was, it was actually a commercial. It was way back then. Mr. Microphone. Look it up, folks. I'm sure, it's on YouTube. But I'm like, I, I don't know if that's the, the kind of angle I'd want to market my, my fancy radio. Uh, it's, it's fancy dancy, isn't it? No it's texting cool. and flying, right? <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be signs of the field now. Uh, I mean, doesn't it like require a VR helmet to use this thing too? Right. Uh, I have to manage my kid's screen time, so I'll be like, are you on your transmitter again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can you watch porn on a transmitter? Because uh, uh, meaning to the word joystick. <laughs> Cut that. Oh. That was horrible. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, I... I don't. I have never used a fancy radio like this. I don't know about you guys. I think you have a couple of maybe you fits have one of those digital screen radios. But you know the DX9 is the highest spectrum radio I've got. So I really can't provide any input on if this touch screen uh, stuff is really necessary. Do you guys have one of those? A touch screen, or you know, a big LCD screen? I have had touch screen radios. I had a Grapner and. 
trying to think. Oh, I've got the Futaba SG-14. It's not a touchscreen, but it's got kind of a, a weird thumb pad type thing. And I don't know. Maybe I'm just old-fashioned. I prefer a big switch that goes clunked when you move it. Mm. There's a sort of reassurance with that. I don't know. I'm not sold on this touchscreen <clears throat> stuff. I can yeah, see I have, where I have... there's people who would, but I, I'm not there. Yeah, I have the SG-14 and also the, the new Futaba 18 channel, and I'm they're still in the box, to be honest with you. I'm still old school. I love my Futaba 7Cs, and I use them a lot when I'm testing airplanes. And reliability, uh, ease of use, and you know, trying to keep to a radio that most people would fly, uh, the, the high-end stuff, uh, not everybody, it's not in everybody's reach. And uh, it's hard to shake the old school, you know. If, the, if these uh, transmitters had a long... 72 uh, megahertz antennas and flags on the end of them, I'd probably still be flying them. <laughs> I, I just, there's some, I, I'm still old school to my heart. You know, I love the idea of having a little flag at the end of my, my radio. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun though. Um, uh, I'm going to put that on a shirt. It's hard to shake the old school. It is. <laughs> Thank it really you, Tony. Is. Really yeah, I'm, I'm really liking this guy, guys. We, and we'll, we'll touch on that more later on, but yeah, we'll, we'll have fun with this. <laughs> well, what you can do is go to get one of those uh, telescoping magnet pickup things and just start, tape it to your transmitter, and you've got your antenna back. Great. Right. right. Uh, actually, I have a um, one of my main radios is an Aurora 9X, and that's all touchscreen. And mm. actually, I quite like it. It's really easy to use, very intuitive. Uh, it's pretty nice. Um, I wasn't, I was never a fan of some of the old Spectrum, that weird side dauber thing that was, you, you roll it left and right and push it. It was always a little clunky for me personally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think touchscreen if done right is actually pretty nice. Uh, yeah. But my reservations when I saw this was um, it apparently runs an Android operating system. And my first thought is, is the Android just a front end? for the actual uh, transmitter uh, or does it have a separate sort of embedded uh, computer system that's really doing all the work and Android is just uh, um, the the face of it and not completely Android powered because I don't know if I would trust just an Android operating system to run my plane seeing as how many times I've had my phone lock up on me and do weird things. Uh, Right. And I've flown a number of multi-rotors that have smartphone interfaces so rather than a real transmitter you you have some sort of app that runs it and if it's the same sort of interface that this thing is relying on then that's horrible i I would never trust that i assume that is not the case but to me the whole wi-fi and android stuff just introduces more stuff that could potentially go wrong Mm. yeah good point i suspect this is geared more towards the multi-rotor guys than the uh, typical airplane guys this is my first thought since it has the serial interfaces built into it that you can access and the Android apps and that kind of stuff I can definitely see the benefit of being able to use that built-in processor to do the interfaces with the flight controllers on multi-rotors yeah. so you can make real-time updates at the field and tweaks and things like that that is definitely a benefit yeah, that's what I suspect. Now, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that the Android is just a front end and it actually has a, a a real core computer system that's bulletproof, that's running inside of it uh, to separate the two. Uh, and though it does look like it has a lot of nice stuff, it has you can play sound and music and voice alerts and all you know the usual stuff. But 
this is interesting. You don't quite know what to make of it. And the other thought is how open source the programming is. Can you write your own programs to do things, or is it still relatively closed system? Well, I would think of um, of the group here, you're probably an early adopter, Fitz. Yeah, relatively. Okay, so what are ah, you waiting for? Well, hey, if... if uh, if uh horizon Hobby. horizon that's it ah, one more thing. yeah horizon hobby's listening all yeah, those vendors it. he gets free <laughs> things from he just couldn't remember horizon hobby yeah. <laughs> oh sorry yeah, i'm sure they'd love to send one to the guy who can't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> here you go lee them they're spectrum people if they're listening they can send me one i'd be happy to do a review on one or something give it a stress test write some maps for it <laughs> he'll be texting us all day I'm sorry. <laughs> what was that, Terry? Hey, no, just why don't you go out and wait by the mailbox? Uh, yeah, I'm sure it's on its way. Uh, I'll be sure to hold my breath. <laughs> <laughs> well, I see. It's always neat to see new products, and I, I, I hope it works out pretty good. It'd be interesting to see, you know, once some more details come out. Uh, looks like they're due what January next year. It looks like they're shipping. So, uh, and they're not crazy expensive. No, it seems like a reasonable price for a 12-channel. Was it they're listing five ninety nine for it? Mm. Uh, it? You know, it it slices, it dices, it washes your dishes, talks to you, <laughs> it whispers sweet nothings to you at night. So I guess, uh, how much is that worth so, to you? I think there are a lot of people who are excited about it. So I think there will be a bow wave of feedback when the first ship comes in. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. And, and that'll be really telling. Yeah. All right, so here's here's my last take on this thing. I mentioned this uh, several podcasts back that I wouldn't mind seeing a radio with, say, Bluetooth that would allow you to communicate your radio to your smartphone so you could back up your aircraft. Or you could mm-hmm. use your, your phone to make the changes and then send the data to the radio. Obviously, with the touchscreen and the features there, you know, you kind of just do it with your smartphone. You have it right there, but you still have all the savings there. I mean, yes, you can use the SD card, but I thought it would be nice to be able to use a Bluetooth type device to transfer data. Um, but I, this is just a tip, guys. All right, Spectrum, you've got this great little model utility window, and it shows all the the you know planes and your your model select. What you needed to do was put a little camera on the back of that thing so you could take a picture of your aircraft and then put the photo right next to your naming. If you're going to go all out and go Android on it and you're slap on a $5 <laughs> little camera and then having people take pictures of all their aircraft, they could actually see it in their window. Oh, that's a really nice idea. Yeah, I agree. I like that. And it could even shoot video so you could have the, the one pixel airplane videos. <laughs> <on YouTube>. <laughs> <laughs> Live feed from your transmitter, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hook that up to... Uh, of your face. <laughs> it's all selfie. <laughs> <laughs> transmitter selfie uh, live on Facebook. You know, I watch Fitz and his videos, and I turn the sound off, and it's entertaining. So, I mean, maybe maybe we've got something there. <laughs> He's so He is so animated that I don't even need to listen to him. <laughs> I, I don't know what to say on that. You're the first person. We could, we could yeah. almost do an MST3K on him. Try it. I, I invite you to try it. Go on and pull up one of his videos tonight and turn the sound off. And, and, the, and the, the looks and the facial expressions are classic. 
don't I don't miss an episode. Since you've got another friend. Poor Terry and I are just sitting here in the wings, man. <laughs> I'm gonna do that. You should. Do clown faces? <laughs> hey Terry, bow tie. Bow ties are in, man. Bow tie. <laughs> We may have it my... look like a prop and spin it. Wait, I had the wrong calling. I should have gone into acting and not uh, what I do now. Oh, it's it's good stuff. <laughs> well, it's enter, it's, enter, it's entertainment, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, um, and that's I, I I do that consciously. I realize you know I want to make it interesting to watch and not some droning on boring person. So, uh, you, do. Although... you do a great job. Seriously, you do a great job, and always look forward to your reviews. Oh, All good. Oh man, thanks. I appreciate it. Good to know somebody out there likes me. <laughs> no, you do a great job. It's about inspiring folks, and, and you're doing that. You bring a passion, and it comes through in the videos. And Evelyn and I do not miss a video. Always fantastic. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much. I'm honored. And, and Tony, remember, I'm the one who got you on the show. So <laughs> share, a little, share a little of this way. I, I, I will Fitz's, be, Lee. Fitz's words were like, Tony who? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> listen to Lee. <laughs> Jeez. Oh boy! <laughs> I guess the FAA stuff. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, it's too depressing. It is actually. <laughs> but come on, Tony, don't you want to sit and have a conversation with me about it? Because you know that's my that's my uh, bread and butter. Wait, should we have an update to your opinion last time? No. <laughs> <laughs> Being in the in the military. And uh, I'm used to regulations. I'm used to this sort of stuff in government. So, you know, it's it's sort of this weird evil that has to happen at times to prevent a major incident. As I was telling guys at the field a few weeks ago, you know, if something catastrophic happens, an airline is brought down because of a, a UAS and, and the government hasn't taken proactive steps, especially with all the news coverage about some of these incidents, it would be it would be bad. So, you know, you, you just I knew it was sort of the ticking time bomb that was coming as much as I don't like it. It is what it is. Well, yeah, I think the people doing stupid stuff force the FAA's hand to do something. Yes. I just think that what they chose to do was ineffective. No, I it's agree. a paper tiger. Yeah, I agree. All right, well, let's let's take a break so we can get Tony back in and give us the, his story because I want to I want to hear more about Tony. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll take. A, we'll be right back. It's practical and great fun for the whole family. And it's only $14.88. Mr. Microphone, buy two or three. They really make great Christmas gifts. Is Lee back? I'm here. Okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Disappointed? I'm just biting my tongue. Go, sunshine. Need a hug? It must be bleeding by now. Oh, it is. <laughs> I don't know, Tony, if you know, but uh, the FAA and Lee, um, that's... that's well, oil and water. Yeah. I bet. You know, it is it is for a lot of the guys at our local field, and, and no matter what I do to try to put them at ease and focus on just, you know, keeping it fun, right, uh, it doesn't seem to work. Uh, you know, my attitude, like I said, is uh, I'm thankful to be able to do this and still have the health and, and the eyesight and the dexterity to be able to operate these things, and uh, that could change in a heartbeat. So I try not to get too caught up in things that I absolutely can't do anything about and, uh, and keep it fun because... I've seen a lot of guys walk away from the hobby because of it, and it's it's tragic, man. Uh, you know, young kids 
we need to keep it going for them. We need to keep them inspired. Yeah. Um, and if we get too caught up in the politics, it just it just starts to take away from the hobby. And I I refuse to do it. It's the only thing that I, I value more than you know my daughter, which is obviously right at the top of the pyramid, is keeping something that I love so much pure and passionate. I love this man. <laughs> <laughs> gets me right here. <laughs> can we just have can we just have Lee's corner and just have Tony and I talk for like you know fifteen minutes? <laughs> That's fun. You got bromance going on, huh? Oh man. <laughs> well, I'll make I'll make it quick. That's I I feel like you. This is this is too much of a fun hobby, and I'm going to hobby for goodness sake mm. that uh, for it to be regulated like this. I know it's just five dollars. That doesn't, you know, it doesn't change the fact that they're regulating a hobby. And mm-hmm. I'm going to have to pay the $5. I'm not going to mm-hmm. break the law, I mean, although I did, you know, <laughs> early on because I just <laughs> knew it was wrong. But, I mean, yeah. I know that there's at this point we're really going to be fighting an uphill battle. I just like Terry had said, though, it is a worthless piece of paper that will never catch a single incident or catch a pilot involved mm-hmm. in a single incident. We know that's bound to happen because there are idiots out there, but there are also idiots who play golf who, you know, throw their clubs and hit golf balls into people's houses. And I'm sure a a pet or two has probably died on some of these tight courses I've played. (laughs) But we're not we're not registering them. And I just, you know, you got to hold people accountable. And I think just registering the good pilots is not a solution. So. Yeah, I, I hear you. And I will tell you, I'm one of a few people that have actually been confronted by the FAA at the field uh, earlier this year. Uh, I fly down to the Paula Field in Van Nuys, which is really close to the Van Nuys Airport, about four miles away. And uh, there had been a lot of drone activity going on there and things, you know, crazy things happening. Guys are flying above 400 feet and they were picking it up on radar. So an FAA, oh, you know, inspect, inspector would come down to the field because it's a public park. It's 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 not an F, an AMA sanctioned field. It only is during events, but the rest of the time it's a public park, so anybody can show up with an airplane, take it out of their car, and have a field day. Uh, unfortunately, and so they came down and they asked us. They the guy walked up to me and said, "Hey, really cool free wing, you know, F fourteen. I've read about that. That's pretty neat. And uh, can you show me where you place the batteries?" And I pulled the canopy off, and there was my FAA number right there. And he's like, "Oh, I see you got your number there." I said, "Yes, sir." Uh, I'm registered and I put it all inside all my airplanes. He goes, oh, you're good to go. I'm with the FAA and really appreciate you doing that. And that was it. And then he said, oh, by the way, really cool jet and really cool airplane. And he was digging what I'd had and what other people brought and was really polite and courteous. Um, a little sneaky, I thought, you know, but it was yeah. it is what it was. You know, I just said, OK, well, I'm in compliance and we're good to go. And and I literally put the sticker on and go and fly and have a good time and don't get caught up in anything else. You know, you just do things safely and. And by and large, most people who are associated with clubs do that. So, um, was there anybody at that field who didn't have the registration? Um, uh, to be honest with you, I did not follow him as he continued down the line speaking with folks. So I, I don't know. Yeah, um, I'd be interested to know how he addressed any of those yeah. situations. From what I, from talking to other pilots who'd seen him down there before, they said he's always been very courteous, and you almost get the sense that. He doesn't want to do that. You know, he's got other things that are far more important to worry about in his job. But, you know, if, if an incident occurs or somebody's going above 400 feet and they're picking up on radar at the airport, then he's obligated to come down and just take a look at what's going on and, and see if people are in compliance. Hmm. Interesting. It would have, it would have that, happened, that happened for about maybe two or three weeks. And then, of course, he went away and never to be seen again. And the rest of the year, have not, not seen the man. So, 
that spot checks are effective. Yeah. Hmm. And there's all about it's all about the delivery and how you how you communicate with folks. And he didn't come across like you know with a flashing a big badge and trying to be aggressive. Not at all. He just was really digging the planes that were out there and appreciated the fact that you know, I took the time to put the number in their register and, and left it at that. I'm pretty sure my mouth would have gotten me in trouble and I would have been in the back of that car with handcuffs. No. <laughs> oh, I'm not. <laughs> and there are there there have been guys that get a, a bit aggressive, you know, and I, I try to tactically good friends might pull him aside and go, Hey man, the guy's just doing his job. Don't don't make this personal. He just has to do what he has to do and Yeah and, and, and move on, you know, get back to having fun. Let's go. Let's go have some burgers. You know, <laughs> fly. Yeah. Or te- or text from your transmitter. You know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody gets an alert on their transmitter. FAA guy is here. <laughs> right. There he is. Landing, man. running to their car. <laughs> hey, spe- Spectrum's onto something, right? <laughs> <laughs> the Spectrum FAA alert. That's right. <laughs> Uh, you got a live feed as as your transmitter's panning towards the FAA inspector. It's a feature. <laughs> <laughs> so good. The, spe- the next Spectrum Radio is going to have a camera and an FAA alert. Love it. <laughs> as long as it has, the, it has a quick dial option for like Domino's delivery to the field, I'd be happy. <laughs> hey, there's an app for that. Oh my God! Someone is going to do that. Hey, Bob, you want pepperoni? Beep, 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 beep. Watch this. I can order it in a flat spin. It's a three-position switch, pepperoni, olives, mushrooms. Oh, my gosh. We have completely got off the rails. (laughs) Have we ever really been on the rails? Oh, but it's it's a fun, bumpy ride, man. No doubt. Well, as I mentioned before, we're joined with Tony Accurso, modeler at large and motion RC test pilot. You lucky... Uh, <laughs> uh, easy easy <laughs> um real quick just a little side story uh actually i, I met tony before a couple of years ago at uh, small steps in arkansas at uh their their annual fly-in the nice muddy field that we had that year <laughs> that was that was an experience it was bad it was really bad <laughs> i we I had to leave my shoes outside the hotel room all night when we came back and it was uh, anyways, um, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Tom, introduced us, and uh, I had known of Tony from his uh, exploits on the forums, so it was really neat to actually meet him in person. And um, I don't know, just a quick thing, I don't know if, if people were on a, if our listeners remember, but some time ago I actually had come up with a list of general personality types for model modelers and one of them was what i called the flyer someone who basically loves to fly probably would explode if they weren't actively flying a model airplane and when i came up with that list tony was the one i was thinking of when i came up with the flyer because out at small steps i every time i turned around you were either flying or helping somebody fly you you were not sitting down enjoying the, the the daffodils or anything you were you you have flying in the blood. It looks like, and I was really impressed I, with that. I do, and I and I really appreciate you saying that, Fitz. You know, it's it's for me. It's such a pleasure to do what we do, uh, and there's so many people that I come in contact with who wish they could do what we do, and I spend time, you know, trying to encourage them and get them involved. Um, you know, as a kid growing up, I'd sat back for for years uh, looking at my neighbor who had a plane, and he invited me out the field, and I would stand next to him and look over his shoulder and just watch 
his stick inputs as he was flying an old Midwest sweet stick, and this is about 1978. And I went out there for years, uh, and and this is well before buddy boxes, and I just just had this deep desire to want to do this really, really bad. And uh, fortunately, a friend of mine had an old Cox Cessna Centurion 0492 channel plane that he had received for Christmas, and his brother hand-launched it on the maiden flight, and it went straight in the ground, and it broke the firewall off, and that was it. Stuck it on the shelf in his closet, and one day I came over to visit with him, and he opened the closet, and there it was. And I thought, we need to get that thing flying. Well, mm-hmm. And he was like, well, do you know how to fly? I was like, no, I don't. But I, th- I, I've been around it enough that I feel confident that we can do this. I've had enough experience with 049s in the control line world. Um, and sure enough, that's that's how it all started for me. It started initially with a Cox PT-19 my father had in 1976, and then progressed to that moment with my friend and his plane, and we got that thing fixed up and running, and he hand-launched it, and I, it was probably the greatest three and a half minutes of my life because <laughs> I was literally flying the airplane off my right shoulder and flying in a continuous left-hand circle as I was turning with the airplane so I didn't get confused on my stick inputs. Uh, overshot the, the little grass strip that was there next to this road that we were flying off of and landed in a cornfield and went through, uh, had to walk through the corn, and it took us a while to find it. It was corn stalks were about seven feet and found the thing laying just gently on top of the corn and did a quick jump and pivot rotated the wing to get it down through the rows of corn and then walked it out and we were i mean the adrenaline the excitement has never left me and i'll never forget that moment for the rest of my life because it was it gave me such a boost of confidence that you know if you put your mind to something you'll achieve it and uh, and i've carried that with me ever since and of course it led to my my 24 year active duty Air Force career. It gave me a, a skill in aircraft maintenance by tinkering with those little glow motors, which we'll cover a bit more later. And then uh, and then it just uh, it led to a career in aviation that hasn't stopped to this day. Well, wow, that's fantastic. And uh, you, you talk about the PT-19. I also had one when I was a kid. That's more or less how I was introduced to the uh, flying models was the PT-19 control line, all plastic, held together by rubber bands. And right. we'd go out to the school field, and uh, my stepfather was big into that. And, and that, was, that was, yeah, it was just an amazing thing to do. And uh, really, like you said, you learn some of the basics of mechanics and aerodynamics and stuff. It's just for a young mind, that was really uh important to me as well yeah and what i didn't realize at the time was i uh, with that cox cessna centurion which was a foam arc is yeah. that it was the er- it was the early day of foamies and i never realized that that would lead me lead me to what i'm doing today and what i've been flying since 2009 which has been primarily electric foamies mm. <laughs> yeah. so if somebody had dropped one of those modern arfs in front of you back in the day you probably would have thought it came from Mars. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I love about about what is going on now with the hobby. I mean, we're such a, an amazing period where uh, airplanes that I never thought I'd be able to fly, we can fly. I mean, an F-14 Tomcat for me was was a high-end model that was almost untouchable. Yeah. And back in the back in the ducted fan days, you, you saw those old Byron ducted fan jets, and they were really cool, but they seemed to be untouchable. Um, and now we're at a point now where you, you see a foam jet and the, the detail, the amount of detail in that jet is just breathtaking to me. Yeah, it is impressive, especially when I, I picked up the, the A-10 that just came out. And that was just mm. it's just amazing to fit, the finish, the flying qualities, the detail. Uh, mm. It's just, it keeps, I just keep getting impressed, more and more impressed. Just when I think, oh, okay, this is about as good as they can get, they get even better. And it's really amazing. 
They do. Uh, and that one for me was was uh, such a special project because I had the CAD files were sent to me by my friend Alpha. And when I opened up the CAD files, uh, I, I immediately thought it's the airplane. I mean, they, they go to they go to the companies and they get the, the drawings and they they try to recreate them as, as much as possible, uh, taking liberties here and there to make sure the airplanes fly well. But um, my job was just to look over what they were developing and then having time with the A-10 in my career in Desert Storm. Uh, asked for my input, which I gladly gave, and, and was thrilled with with the first uh, sample that was sent to me for testing, and knew right away that it was going to be a hit. And and everyone that I've spoken with who owns that aircraft absolutely loves it. Uh, yes. Now, now, as a, a test pilot for Motion, do you have much input into their design? You know, I, I I throw out ideas. Uh, a great example is the sixty-four millimeter jet series. Uh, my buddy Alpha and I spoke about year and a half ago, and we were sitting around the picnic table at the field, and I said, you know, I think it would be really cool to see a small series of what I proposed was pusher jets, uh, because not everybody can a- afford the high-end stuff, the four or $500 jets, but how about a, a cheaper series uh, pusher-wise, because a friend of mine, John Morgan, does a lot of pusher airplanes, and they're fantastic, and with the prop running in the back, you can't even see it there, you know, and mm. they've got all kinds of thrust and, and great performance. Uh, and and it sort of I just sort of dropped the seat and left it, and then all of a sudden you know I get a call going, hey, by the way, we're doing a 64 millimeter F8 Crusader, and mm. I thought, what? <laughs> Are you kidding me? I was just blown away. And then when when I when I got the airplane, I just mind blowing that uh, we're you know these guys are going to offer products that folks can afford uh, that are really beautiful models. They're not a crude representation of the jet, but you look at it and go, wow, you see it, the lines are there. They take the time to capture the detail in the, in the model. And for for a kid who started out with a very limited budget as a teenager, uh, to be able to know that there are kids or, and young folks out there who can own uh, an F-105 or an F-8 at a, at a really cheap price point, relatively cheap, uh, you know, makes me smile. Yeah, we, we talked about both of those on the show earlier in uh, previous episodes, and we were pretty impressed with these uh, kind of unusual subjects that pop up. And uh, we really liked the, the design. Uh, we, though, we had a couple of questions. Um, uh, one of our listeners was really interested in F-105, but was concerned that it may be a little too much for him to handle. Um, do you think uh, someone who is a, a decent flyer, but maybe not experienced with ducted fans, could fly one? Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I would say intermediate. You, you get a couple of a couple of good, tra- you know, a trainer plane under your belt, and and maybe a warbird or a, an introductory type jet. Uh, it would be, uh, it'd be a great airplane to fly. I was, to be honest with you, when I did the, the maiden flight on the 105 and did the first launch, it came out of my hand like an arrow, and it tracks so straight, straight and true that uh, I knew right then and there they had a winner on their hands, and was very pleased with it. Uh, roll rate was was crisp. And a little bit faster than the F8. You've got a Coke bottle style fuselage, so it cut the air really well. The thing that surprised me most, and I fly, uh, I flew it with the 1800 milliamp Admiral pack, is that when you get the angle of attack set on the final approach and you get into ground effect, it stays there for a second before it settles in. I expected it to drop a little bit harder than it did and was pleasantly surprised that uh, with the 1800, it, it locked in beautifully. You can even push it up to a 2200 pack if you like longer flight times a little additional weight but not a big penalty there and then you can get down to like a 1300 milliamp pack if you want it super light oh real small 
Yeah. Now we had one concern though. We thought was unusual was the control setup where you have the ailerons are linked to the elevator. Can you yes. give us some insight into that design philosophy? Yeah, you know, I honestly don't know exactly why they decided to go with that, but my assumption was, and I'll have to speak it out about it, is that one of the things that I've seen them doing lately with the last few releases is uh, offering uh, a lighter weight model. I'll give you a good example. If you take a look at the Freewing T45, it's got all the bells and whistles, slats, flaps, lights. The detail is just stunning. It's a heavy model. Uh, if you're putting a 6S 5000 or greater pack in there, you're going to feel the weight of that airplane when you're flying it. It flies amazing. It's got great performance, uh, pretty respectable vertical, but you can feel the weight of the jet. And then you take a look at something like the MiG-21 or the A4 Skyhawk. doesn't have, you know, gear doors. It doesn't have a lot of the bells and whistles that the T-45 has. But when you talk about from a pure flying standpoint, a joy, both of those jets are pure joy to fly. Uh, the the MiG-21 in particular, you can get that thing in a 50 to 60 degree high alpha, and I'll fly a complete circle, circuit with that thing in that angle of attack, and it just stays locked in. Oh, that's impressive. Uh, yeah, it really is quite impressive. The A4 is light on the wing and agile, as an A4 should be. And, yeah, that uh, follows the full scales design philosophy. Absolutely right. And so when, because uh, I've been bugging alpha for three years, you got to do a Skyhawk, you got to do a Skyhawk, and it was kind of a a pain in his side, if you will. But, uh, I, you know, the big thing was if, if, if you do it, you got to do it right. You've got to make sure the airplane flies right. It's robust. It looks like the aircraft. What I love about what the free wing motion team are doing is that these are guys that are passionate about the hobby and every product they produce, they're thinking constantly about honoring the design and honoring uh, the folks who were associated with that aircraft, whether it be the pilots or the maintenance ground crew, um, these models go deep. And uh, and I had a, a wake-up call about five years ago when I was flying a, a foamy Star Max B-17 at an event, and a veteran walked up to me and said, "I was, you know, hey, I was a radio operator on that aircraft, and I really appreciate you flying the B-17 today." And you can see in his eyes the emotion and the connection to that airplane. And uh, Evelyn and I kind of looked at each other, and it was sort of like a light went off, realizing that as much as this can be a, a very uh, introverted, you know, you kind of take your plane to the field and you do your own thing, or you hang out with a couple of buddies and you do your own thing, and you try to outfly each other and, you know, combat, and whatever you want to do. Um, as soon as that moment happened, I realized that we have a greater calling to take these models that folks have having a, a relationship with, a history with, and, uh, and fly them for them and do this the right way wow and that's how i sort of got involved with motion was just i was out there flying and and trying to do my best to to you know honor uh folks who flew the airplanes that i was flying as a modeler and evaluating products because i was a diehard customer uh with motion from the very beginning and uh was just approaching hey would you be interested in helping and, and evaluating and from my point of view it was like as a customer to get an early insight and some feed provide feedback uh, I was honored uh, to be able to do that and still very, very fortunate to do it. Well, that's fantastic. You, you, man, that's uh, you're very lucky. We talked about this a little bit earlier is that, you know, the re reality check here is that we're all not getting any younger. Yeah. And so, and I always keep that in the back of my mind that, you know, I'm 48 years old. Uh, you know, I've had an amazing Air Force career, which I'm still doing. Um, and 
I'm watching a generation of folks who are aging and uh, and they're flying their little cub, which they're happy to do, and they're just in you know, pure bliss. But I look at it as, can I? Will I be able to fly in the next twenty years? Some a turbine like I do now, or a high a high end jet, or something that has performance of an EDF jet that does hundred mm. plus miles an hour. So uh, you know, you figure while you while you're able to do it, uh, take that gift and do something positive with it. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, and that's kind of what our Evo and I have been doing is trying to inspire kids, trying to honor veterans, trying to encourage people who thought about wanting to do the hobby but were intimidated. And handing them the radio and going, here, try a couple of circuits. I'll talk you through it, you know, and it'll be fine. And sometimes it's all it takes. Yeah, that's great. Now, now I, I have to ask, I know there's probably things you can and cannot say about working with uh, Motion RC, but right. uh, can you uh, confirm or deny that Motion will be coming out with new planes? <laughs> there's always new planes, and I and I think Alpha has said this publicly as well. There's there's always at least 10 in, in, the, in the lineup. Uh, always on the go. Ten that will become actual products, or ten yes, potential? ten that will become actual products that are in the pipeline. Yes. Okay. Well, can you confirm or deny that some of the new products <laughs> may or may not be aircraft that we haven't seen before, or that's rarely modeled in foam? Uh, I can I can definitely uh, confirm that. Yeah, you're going to see aircraft that are, are not. Uh, you just don't see them. The F-105 is a great example, and the F-8. Uh, perfect examples of, of jets that folks have, have thought about and they just haven't, you know, and, and have asked for. And, Can you um, confirm or deny that one of them starts with the letter M, <laughs> space, G? Does it start with those three letters possibly? Yeah, your name? Does it start with an um. F? You guys are great. Previous podcast, but we were all trying to guess what a, a rare model might be. And I was, I was hinting at a MIG, so I don't know if I'll yeah. be right or not, but I'm... Yeah. Uh, you know, all I could say is that I am excited about what is coming. Um, I'm excited for for everyone, honestly. I mean, the, from the Warbird guys, the Jet guys, all the way across the board, uh, some exciting products are coming and continue to come. What what really made me smile this year in particular were um, the F8 and the, uh, the 105. And the reason why I say that is, uh, for the last couple of years, I've been vocal on some forums, including uh, including Hobby Squawk, which is the Motion RC forum, about companies really needing to honor the Vietnam era. Uh, mm. We've done a ton of World War II, and, and, and that's it's been amazing. I love the World War II stuff. Um, but and, and you maybe touched on the Korean War era a bit, but it seemed like the Vietnam era had sort of been overlooked for many, many years. And I've reached out to companies before even working with Motion, saying, hey, we need to focus on trying to do more for the Vietnam veterans because I'm a desert storm vet. And when I came back, um, it was the Vietnam veterans that made sure that we were all welcome home because of what they had gone through when they came back home. Oh, yeah, so yeah. I, I, you know, for me, it's the least I can do as, as a modeler is to try to help encourage uh, other companies to not forget uh, that era um, and, and honor them. And, uh, and I'm glad to see that Free Wing and Motion have done that, um, and there have been a few others who, who stepped up as well. Well, I would think at least some part of that shortage is because that those airplanes are just harder to model. No, I agree. I think the Crusader and the 105 in particular. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, but I think now we're at a point with the foam technology and power systems that uh, Free Wing has shown that, in fact, it's not impossible anymore that we can do this. 
Um, and I'm glad to see it. It warms my heart. And to have a Vietnam veteran walk up and recognize their airplane at the field and smile, and they're just excited to stand there with me as I'm flying it. Mike Machado is a great example. As you saw, uh, Mike is a dear friend uh, of 20 years. Uh, his relationship with the 105 goes pretty deep, as you may have seen in the, uh, in the Motion RC announcement video. Uh, and to have him stand next to me and look over and see the emotion in his face when we finished that maiden flight um, was everything to me. That's the reason why I'm doing this now is just for that look, for them to stand there and to see their airplane in the air again um, is is the greatest feeling in the world. Wow, that's, that's, yeah, that's really heartfelt. The, the veterans did their job. They served honorably, and, and the least we can do is say, you know what, you are not forgotten, and that we are going to do everything we can to, to honor you, to honor the aircraft that you served with. Yeah. Uh, and it, it goes deep. Uh, we did a, a one-eighth one scale uh, EV-66C. Uh, my dear friend John Morgan had a, a great team of folks who, who put this thing together, and I you know, sort of became the inspiration for the project. Uh, and that was a simple airplane that, that was doing electronic warfare, leading the, the F-105s and the B-52s in, into the north, but they were vulnerable to SAM fire. And, uh, I, you know, when I read a book about uh, what they had done and how brave they weren't serving, I thought, why hasn't anybody ever done a B-66? How did this airplane get mixed, missed in the model world? And I Google searched so many different ways to try to find a model that even had been done in a scratch bill and just couldn't find one. And so we sort of made it our mission to to use that uh, airplane as a way to, to start this Vietnam. Uh, matter of fact, we had a gathering at St. George, Utah, two years ago. Where we had, we did a big gathering of Vietnam era warbirds in mm. the middle of the runway to honor vets, and uh, and we had Vietnam veterans in attendance. It was uh, it was moving. So, how many of those EB sixty sixes are around? Uh, boy, great question. So there were 36 uh, that were pulled out of the boneyard and converted to the EB configuration. Uh, today, there is only one example of the EB-66C, uh, and it's on a pole at Shaw Air Force Base, South Carolina. Uh, surviving B-66s, in general, only five. We had six. Uh, unfortunately, the Chanute Museum closed in Illinois uh, last December, and uh want to understand that aircraft uh, parts were pulled off the aircraft to preserve another one that's here at edwards air force base but the aircraft is scrapped oh yeah and it's a big airplane it is. it is and last year sometime um i went to a museum in dallas and they have an a3d and i think the navy had a similar version of the eb66 correct the a3 sky warrior well i think they had one outfitted for electronic countermeasures oh wow and maybe I'm just making all this up, but I want to say that the one that was at this museum, it was just kind of sitting out there, and I happened to run into somebody who worked in the museum, and he's like, hey, would you like to go inside? I'm like, you bet I would. <laughs> 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 and you get in there, and what you would think is the bomb bay or the, the gas tank for refueling is actually a, a desk with um, a big console of electronic widgets. Right. So I assumed it was some sort of uh, either... Airborne control or electronic countermeasure stuff. Right. So. Yeah, you guys are fortunate because you do have a 66. I think you have two 66, uh, 66s in Texas. You have one at Dias Air Force Base and another on display at Lackland Air Force Base. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Now, in terms of the model, was it only John Morgan's prototype or did others get made? 
Uh, it was just the one. Uh, it was a team, uh, Wade Joes out in Utah. He uh, cut the wings, uh, did the wing cores, and, and set up the power plants. And we had guys from all over the country. We had a gentleman up in Canada who did the 3D work for the cockpit. Uh, uh, we had just a ton of folks that all had uh, had hand in it. And it was, and they donated their time and energy uh, and was completely financed by, uh, by the team. Huh. How, how big was it? And what kind of power plants? So it had, it's powered by two jet fan, uh, 120 uh, fans. Uh, wow. wingspan is 118 inches. Wow. A big mother. Yeah. It's one, one eighth scale. Yeah. It's impressive. I wonder if Sparky participated in that. Cause I know he and John Morgan are friends as well. Yeah, not in that particular one. Now, they've just collaborated on a B-52 build that Sparky designed, and that's uh, fantastic. John actually made yeah. his 52 at St. George, and it flew great. Now we just need to get Keith to fly his. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's still waiting for now, parts. Lee, I... Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. So, Lee, I walked on you a long time ago, and you had a question. What did you want to ask? <laughs> It was a it was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Lee. No, well, it was we were talking about uh, building Vietnam aircraft, and I I was going to say I know this is a little selfish for myself, but there is a there is a Vietnam aircraft that I would love to see someone build, and I know Fitz will back me up on this, and that's a Cessna Skymaster. Oh like yeah, absolutely, Skymaster. Yeah. I'd love oh. to see a gray, you know, Vietnam themed Skymaster, and if Motion RC makes one show me show me the invoice <laughs> should i take my money here's here's my money yeah uh, i love you lee <laughs> you, you and i are tracking the same way because uh, what started the bb66 project was uh, i was a teenager just joined the service and saw a movie called bat 21 oh yeah with gene hackman and uh, the 66 was briefly mentioned in the film and obviously the reason why i seal hamilton uh, who was the navigator on board that aircraft was shot down and survived in the film. And it was the uh, O2 uh, that was flown and, and uh, by Danny Glover in the film to you know, kind of keep an eye on, a, on him and get him out of the jungle safely to prevent capture. And so, yeah, I very much have a deep connection with the O2 Skymaster as well. I'd love to see that done as a model. Uh, start whispering in some of your uh, motion RC friends' ears. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> for sure. that's one I would love to see. I mean, something. What? How? How big do you think fits? Should they build it? Oh, there's been a few park flyer versions out there before. Yeah, it needs, yeah. needs to be big. Yeah, fifteen hundred millimeters. Mm. Fifteen to seven, yeah, seventeen. Fifteen it, to seventeen hundred. Yeah. I'd say. I'd say. I like them big. Let's go seventeen hundred. All right. It's got to be big enough to make the buzz sound yeah. to get both props spinning out. Absolutely. If it's not loud, it's not a skyman. Fitz and Terry, do y'all know Androw? Do y'all remember Androw Airport? No. Uh, where I grew up in Ailey, there was an airport just north of us called Androw. They had a Corsair and they had a Skymaster. And the, uh, <clears> which runway, one was louder? <laughs> the Skymaster. <laughs> not kidding you, man. But I mean, they'd fly over my house because that was the that was the final. I mean, it was just I'd see them all the time, and I just fell in love with that Skymaster. And Fitz had one. You know, I, did you sell that one, Fitz? Yeah, I sold it to Tom. It was an old one that Hobby Lobby used to sell. It was not all that great of a model, but it took a lot of work to get it decent. But yeah, yeah, I remember but, that one. I think it had brush motors, did it? Mine had brush motors, which both burnt out, and I put brushless in it. I hacked it up and uh, had to reinforce the wing. And uh, it was neat because I had it on a, a speed controls on a switch so I could shut off one of the motors in flight. 
So I fly around with the front motor shut off and just on the rear motor. And then people are like, hey, your motor's not working. Oh, yeah, it is. It's <laughs> on purpose. It's a feature. <laughs> <laughs> it was well. It was kind of fun, though. It was it had a lot of power. So I wouldn't mind a, a really nice-looking one. This one had, was kind of chintzy. But uh, a nice one so with the Tony, extra windows would be nice. Proper military O2. I know Seagull Models does a Skymaster. Mm, um, yeah. And I think, I think it was Radical RC or one of those companies actually did a full – retracting gear scale gear for that model uh, quite oh, impressive yeah yeah, yeah they did. It was that, that's yeah. my really buddy scott ramirez actually bought that retractable gear setup and he's scratch building an o2 as we speak he's mm. he's kind of uh frankenstein and a couple of different foamies to make an o2 and he's quite the craftsman i know it'll be a stunning <laughs> well the problem with the seagull is it's very heavy i mean i i picked up a box and said no way but if you could make a skymaster you too, you Tony. <laughs> if, if you, if you and your crew <laughs> carving right now, there you go. If, if it could look or, or have the same quality as the the Tiger Cat that I have, I, it'll be a great seller, and I'm going to be right up there. And of course, Tony, just between you and me, and no one else, just between you and me, when that when that kit comes to your door, and then you have to test flight, you give me a call. I'm right. on the next pl- I'm on the next plane out there. All right. I'll, get, I'll get I'll get you cleared and we'll have you out here. We'll barbecue and we'll fly the sky master. I'll I'll even pay my five dollars to the FAA <laughs> <laughs> just so I can fly that thing. That's He's it, gonna man. call you from his new spectrum radio. <laughs> hey, uh, real quick, my own uh, Skymaster story. There's a guy who has a full scale one. I can't remember if it's up in the Dallas area here. Uh, that he flies uh, that I had I happened to talk to at an air show once. And this was one he actually restored from the Vietnam era. It was gray. It had extra windows in it. And not only that, he had all the radio equipment in the back. And uh, it, it was neat. He had a little heads-up display. And he let me get in the cockpit, and he flipped the switch, and this little targeting heads-up uh, uh, display pops open for the gun. So you can see, you can look through it like a fighter plane. And, not, and the last thing is, it still had a couple of the bullet holes from service that he preserved in the fuselage. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. That, Don't fix those. No, no, he, he intentionally left them there. Okay, so we, we've talked a bunch about the electric airplanes, but I, but one of the things, uh, especially when I saw you in Arkansas, is you're really big into the Cox-powered control line planes and, and mm-hmm. RC planes. Yeah, I've already told my daughter that it, when when Dad goes one day, just go ahead and stick a Black Widow, Cox Black Widow, in the casket with me. <laughs> That's how I'm going out, you know. And it's funny because people are like, "Dude, you get to fly all these cool airplanes and test." And I said, honestly, uh, those little engines, those little airplanes, go pretty deep for me. And uh, we're trying to work hard to to bring it back. It's a it's a bit of a challenge because people don't want to. Don't want to deal with the, the slimers, as they call them. But I always joke and say, you know what? I've got some of the smoothest hands because I've got great caster moisturizer. <laughs> you know, so you know, Smooth, so when you want so when you want a great complexion <laughs> at the field, you know, why don't you run a couple of Cox engines and you'll be good to go. Be, you know, <laughs> no ashy skin or cracking of your of your hands during winter. <laughs> do you have man hands? Fly Cox four nines. Well, yeah. I think- it, it, it goes pretty deep, right? As I think I spoke earlier, is you know, for me to be able to get that little tiny engine to run as a youngster, and to I was fascinated by the sound, the smell, looking down inside the cylinder and seeing that engine glowing inside as it was running, uh, was the neatest thing. And to be honest with you, to get one of those engines to run well as an eight or nine year old was a bit of a challenge because I didn't have oh, yeah. a lot of experience 
And so when you when you had a good engine run, it was like the greatest feeling in the world. You just accomplished something really big. Today we just walk out, we plug our battery in, and off we go. But even now, uh, Evelyn flew a PT nine Cox PT nineteen a few weeks ago, and every time that that engine fired up and we got it dialed in beautifully, uh, it was just the greatest sense of satisfaction. And of course, you got a little bit of exhaust trailing out of the airplane, so it, it, you know it's alive, right? There's a, there's that other element of sight and sound and smell, um, just a bit of a sensory overload with flying them, and uh, and that never goes away. We we recently did a, a control line gathering, half a gathering at Apollo Field in Van Nuys. And uh, sort of toyed around with guys and challenged them, saying, hey, let's see if we can get 100 half-A-powered airplanes to show up at this event. And sure enough, we had 127 that turned up. Wow. Um, and I think the key there was we didn't make it a typical control line contest. We made it a non-contest, which would encourage everybody to dig them out of their garages and let's go out and just have a great day of flying. And we lucked out. We had perfect weather and lots of great flying. Yeah, I happened to catch some video you took of that, and some of the really impressive stuff. Like I guess it was a was it a B thirty six. B thirty six out Which, there, and uh, <laughs> Heinkel one eleven as well. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, some and that that B thirty six hadn't flown in in like thirty years. So uh, one engine we couldn't get running, but we had five running, and he got that flight, just that one flight, and uh, it was the highlight of the whole event. Yeah, five, it was like a. It was like a real plane, real plane flying. <laughs> <laughs> so, for somebody who has a bucket full of 049s in their workshop, what's the best resource today to get glow heads and uh, needle valves, question. things like that? Great question. So, uh, the, the companies I reach out to are Cox International, uh, which is up in Canada. Uh, when Estes Cox sort of wound down the Cox side of the business and Estes was clearing out their stock, they sold about 40% of their inventory up to Cox International. Another company is called EX Model Engines. Uh, you can find all of the, the glow heads and all the parts you need for most 049s there. Uh, some limited 010 and 020 parts as well. And then, you know, the go-to source for any of the great engines that you remember when you are a kid that are no longer available is eBay. You know, it's it, the prices can be a bit high. Uh, but if there's something that you really have to have, every once in a while you get lucky and you get a good deal. Uh, the other place that I tend to find a lot of great deals is just your local swap meets. Um, you know, you'll go dig through a box, and next thing you know, there'll be a couple of 049s at the bottom, uh, bottom of a box, and had a little bit of runtime on them, and you know, clean them up. I usually uh, put them in, uh, soak them in some uh, rubbing alcohol, free them up, or some guys will actually stick them in an old crock pot with a little bit of antifreeze, and they'll unseize them. Uh, the other thing you can do is just take your monocoat heat gun and hold the, th you know, hold the engine and just apply a lot of heat to it to get the, the caster to soften up, and mm -hmm. you're freeing them up and back in business. Get some fuel running through them, and, and uh, you're set. Yeah, I've even stuck engines in the oven, too, to free them up. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's, you know, there's, I've watched people over the years who've taken those old engines and then because they're seized up, they just throw them in the trash or they just give them away their garbage and it doesn't take a lot to get them cleaned up and running again. And there's a, a full parts inventory available through those companies I mentioned. Well, I'm going to tell you guys something that might make you a little bit jealous. I have an 049 that's been in space. Wow. I saw that article. That was neat. Well, actually, I don't yeah. have it anymore. I donated it to the AMA Museum. I don't think they've done anything with it yet, but yeah. That is very cool. Yeah, and who was the astronaut who took it up for you? Uh, Bob Binken. Wow. Yeah. So he said, can I – he was about to fly on the space shuttle on a mission. He said, can I take something, you know, a memento for you to 
know, to fly in space. And so I thought about it for a few days and that made the most sense. It just kind of summarized yeah. me. So yeah, I pulled an 049 off the shelf. Actually, I didn't have one at the time. So uh, I asked a couple of friends and the next day I had an 049 in my hand and off it went to space. Very, very cool. Yeah, that's the neat thing about us getting back into the, the 049, the half-A stuff again, is that we've, we've been taking trips out to Lost Hills, California, to the free flight events they have there. And for me, free flight was just sort of a rubber band-powered, stick-and-tissue-type model indoor stuff. And I never realized uh, you know, how, how crazy they get with these big power systems and even the half-A power systems flying free flight. Uh, and, uh, and so we've been spending time with that community, uh, again, with the control line community. And, and the sad reality is, is these guys sit around and they say, hey, you know, our numbers are dwindling. We're losing another guy. We just lost another guy last month. And uh, the last event I went to at, at Lost Hills, uh, a gentleman had passed away, and his widow asked his friend to bring his collection to the field and give it away to folks. And so when you, when you hear this, you, you feel compelled to want to do something to at least uh, – get what they do and, and take it and throw it out there on social media. I know I've been doing that on Facebook and on RC groups uh, and even on Hobby Squawk. Just trying to get some folks exposed to that world because, uh, you know, a lot of times people go, wow, I thought that was, you know, from a bygone era of the 30s and 40s. I didn't realize they're still flying free flight today or they had no idea it even existed. So with the power of, of social media, we're trying to do our best to bring a little bit more attention to those communities because uh, every every one of these groups are just – their ranks are filled with some of these amazing master model builders. You know that you go out there and you don't see you know you know four or five of the same ARF out there. Nothing like there's nothing like there's anything wrong with that, <laughs> but it, it's you, you see the time and energy that they put into creating these things. Sometimes from plans or from their own designs and watching them fly. And you are a kid. You're sitting there watching this thing being launched into the heavens, uncontrolled. And you look at their face and they're smiling. They're they're ten years old again. And these are guys that are in their seventies, eighties, and some even in their early nineties. Yeah, it's funny. I went to the um, Flying Aces Nationals in Geneseo a, a few months back, and that's all rubber-powered free flight. Yeah. But talking to those guys, it's it seems like there's a whole different mindset. They look at radio control, and they said to me, like, how could I trust myself to fly this airplane? Like, mm. my skills aren't good enough to control an airplane. Mm. But I know how to build an airplane, so I'm confident that I can build one that when I let go of it, it's going to fly right. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that we just recently I proposed as, a, as an event uh, theme for St. George, Utah next October is uh, the theme is celebrating uh, balsa models. And I think the thing that surprised me with the idea, I thought the guys were going to be like, nah, we're not doing that. But now guys who, who fly high-end jets, who've been flying foamies, who scratch build airplanes – are, they've all gone out and pulled either a, a kit off the shelf they had in the garage or they're ordering balsa kits and they're doing builds specifically for the October event so we can have a flight line filled with foamies and, and all the cool stuff that we love to do but there will be one section dedicated to a collection of balsa built models for the event just to bring more attention to building more attention to that that era uh, and that's what i love what you what you've done recently uh fitz as i mentioned with the electric hub uh the fact that you dedicated some time to building an old friend an airplane that you'd built before and uh and and shared that with with the world is is really cool um it takes time it takes energy it takes patience uh, uh, but the reward is so worth it let me know if any 
twin electric cubs show up at St. George. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Terry. <laughs> Let's hope so. Yeah, yeah right. right. That would be awesome. Yeah, I, I built one in 1989, and it was a Glow version that the Great Plains offered at the time. It came with an OS.12 CZA engine, um, and I built that thing in about three weeks in my dorm room at Homestead Air Force Base and took it out to a, a, a big farmer's field about 20 miles away from the base in my little tiny car, and I had just days and days of fun with that thing doing touch and goes all day long best some great memories from a simple airplane that just yeah. provides so much joy yeah this is pretty amazing that now you, you mentioned a uh, um having a, a section at a, an event just for excuse me sorry just for uh built planes and it reminded me there's a club in our area somewhat that's has been running for a couple of years now a uh, event and it's only for planes that are built from kits no, no arfs no foamies and, uh, and I've missed it the past couple of times due to other engagements, but one of the things I do want to attend because it's I thought it was an interesting concept, and uh, it seems like it's successful for them that they've done it a couple of times now. Yeah, there was one in Utah in July that was celebrating vintage airplanes, so anything that was from 1983 and mm. earlier, uh, folks were bringing to this gathering, and it's yeah. been well attended over the years. That's pretty neat. Yeah, so we, you know, we obviously, obviously working with motion and doing what we do with the foamies, love that stuff because you're getting a lot of cool scale airplanes. Uh, the B-24 is a great example. I had flown recently, about two months ago, a Jack Stafford B-24, which back in the day was just such an amazing airplane. It still is. I mean, it, it was powered by four OS-15 engines, and for me, it was such a treat to fly it. But <laughs> the weight the weight of the airplane, right? <laughs> yeah. The turn, you're adding more power and hope to God it doesn't stall on you sort of thing but it was uh, it's it's a blast to fly but with what what the foam technology offers is a, a lightweight bells and whistles it gets you in the air quick you take mm. the wings off you throw it in the back of a of a honda civic if you will and, and you're out there enjoying what what used to be really untouchable for a lot of folks who wanted to fly scale either they didn't have the skills or they were intimidated by a large build yeah yeah we had talked about that on one of our previous shows and we were all impressed with the uh, design of that uh, model of the B24, I thought it was really neat to see that. Uh, so, um, one of the things that's really I find compelling about you is you, uh, as a single father, and your relationship to your daughter and how she travels with you to these flying events, and even if I remember correctly, flies herself some of the models. She does, yes. And that is such a unique and really interesting relationship you have with her to do that. And it's something a father daughter. That's got to be. Um, uh, really special relationship it is it, you know it's it's I, I don't want to bore the audience too much but just a quick snippet so a single father in the air force uh and ended up becoming a full single father when she was 18 months old and so i have raised evelyn on my own she's now 18 years old uh and it's just been her and i uh through the journey of military life and our adventures in model aviation and and one of the, the issues i had early on was that you know i still wanted her to be a, a girly girl and and yet still she had the tomboy side so obviously i would do her hair and paint her nails and i would you know that's a good thing about the modeling the modeling <laughs> skills right i would i had to learn how to paint nails and do hair and that sort of stuff but thankfully i had so much time building plastic models and balsawood stick and tissue that i had the fine skills to be able to do that sort of stuff uh, but, you know, the thing I was concerned about is I didn't want her to feel pressured to sort of take on daddy's 
interest, you know, but it, she naturally took to it. She had the same fascination with airplanes that I did, which was surprising. She just – she would run outside because we lived on base at Edwards Air Force Base when she was really young. And if an F-16 took off and flew over the house, you know, she dad, 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 a jet. She'd run outside. She'd watch it fly over, and it just it, – it's gone deep for her. Um, she's a very quiet, introverted young lady who grew up loving books like Harry Potter and kind of – in her own world of Star Wars and that sort of stuff. But then one day out of the blue, she just – had the interest in wanting to do this and went to, believe it or not, it's a funny story, went to Harbor Freight of all places, hmm. and they offered a, a foamy uh, powered glider, brush powered glider called a Wild Hawk. And I bought it for her and uh, threw the AA batteries in the transmitter and took it out one day on it with a nickel metal hydride pack, and she had this natural gift of flying. And I find that with a lot of young ladies that I've had the pleasure of teaching is uh, they don't grab the sticks and sort of manhandle it like the guys. We want to like slam the sticks right and left and, you know, whatever. Uh, but she just had this beautiful touch of finessing the airplane and uh, and took to it quite well and uh, and told her, I said, well, you know, if you want to continue to do this, I'll, you know, I'll you know, support whatever you want to do. And she said, yeah, Dad, I'd like to do this. And what I find interesting today is if Dad goes through a little bit of a burnout period where I just need a break and would rather go camping for a while than flying RC airplanes, she'll come to me and say, Dad, are we not going to the field today? <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, we haven't seen the guys in a couple of weeks, you know, so it's 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 kind of neat to see. You know, she sort of gets me re rejuvenated again of wanting go, to go out and fly and, 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 and take trips around the country. Um, again, it, it boils down to you only have so much time with your kids, and you and I and I remember those teenage years of being very special with my dad, and so been devoting a lot of time to just enjoying not only the hobby but just time together traveling and meeting people and it's been such a blessing i think the thing that's been the biggest surprise is that our rc groups blog started out as just being a journal of us documenting what we were doing in the hobby and sort of people started following that and then it inspired we would get pms from folks saying hey my daughter saw your daughter holding an airplane and she, my daughter's three years old and she, now she wants to hold my airplanes and have me take a picture of her so <laughs> it's it's neat how that has sort of happened, and then Motion RC had contacted us and said, "Hey, would you mind if we use some of the pictures of you holding this this free wing jet?" And I'm like, heck, "Heck, as long as that one's good with it, I'm good with it." And that's in the end, she said, "Absolutely, Dad." She goes, "You know, I want to be able to continue to inspire and and hopefully encourage other kids to get involved in the hobby." And that's how uh, we, you know, that's how we got more and more involved and uh, fortunate to be able to do it. Yeah, I've seen a lot of pictures of her holding planes. Mm. <laughs> Sometimes just doing a random search about a particular model or something, up pops her picture holding something. And mm -hmm. it's funny to see some of the older pictures when she's just a little preteen, I guess, and then now she's a, a bit older and, and yeah. taller. <laughs> you see her how she's grown over the years. The thing that surprised me is that it's, you know, I go back and I look at the blog occasionally and I and I think, wow, what a really neat journal. I You know, I, I didn't realize it would go on as long as it's gone. And, and the thing that's been really cool is to see a young, shy girl just have such a, a – a confident way about her when she goes to the field and somebody walks up and says, hi, Evelyn, I've seen your picture before. And she'll grin and then she'll reach out her hand and say, hi, well, what is your name? And do you fly? And, you know, well, you ought to come out and hang out with my dad. We're going to go fly right now. And, you know, it's <laughs> neat to see that happen. Wow, that's fantastic. So for somebody so, who would like to see those blogs, where do they go? 
you can search a Google uh, X-Plane Guy blog, and that blog comes up, and it, it documents our history in the hobby since about uh, May of 2009 when we started on RC Groups. Okay, cool. Yeah. I have a quick question, Some, something I wrote down as a note, because I, I, I'd i like to know your connection with Colonel Dave Graven. Uh, great question. I uh, met Dave Graven at Small. Uh, and uh, he also attended another event where we go to St. George, Utah. We've gone to a couple of different places. Uh, my first time I believe I met him was in Las Vegas four years ago. Uh, he was attending the uh, Ace in the Hole event there. And to be honest with you, I didn't know who he was. I was just out there flying with some friends, and then one day, uh, one of the days out there, somebody walked up to me and said, you know, Colonel Graben has a history, uh, you know, flying F-105. As a matter of fact, he his F-105 was the first loss of a Thunder Chief in the Vietnam War. Uh, he actually was able to fly the airplane back and landed, but the damage damage was so bad, uh, the airplane was written off. And uh, and so I went over, introduced myself, and uh, you know told him I was an Air Force veteran and and wanted to learn more about his story. And we just started connecting. And uh, he was sharing all, the great Dave Graven stories that he had, and I just um, totally absorbed it. Um, and I'm like that with all of our veterans. I've I've been fortunate in the 20 years I've been at Edwards to spend a lot of time with General Chuck Yeager. He used to come to my office when I was a volunteer at the history office and would sit in and and talk to me about his. His, his experiences flying not only the X-1 and all the experimental airplanes, but his time in World War II as well as Bud Anderson. And when I started to realize, each, each time Graben gave me a story, I, I realized um, he, what a hero. What an amazing human being who's had this storybook career. you know. And, and here he is. Just geeking out like the rest of us flying model airplanes, you know, and, and, and he immediately was like, this is my kind of guy, you know, and uh, enjoyed every visit we had. And especially those early morning breakfasts at the hotel before we go out to the field, we just sit there for a good half an hour chatting and uh, very special. So when when I found out that he had passed uh, the first of January this year, uh, tough tough for the entire group uh very close with them and of course many of you guys were as well tough loss yeah it's interesting when you know somebody like that when you have heroes you kind of put them on a pedestal and when you get a chance to meet them and talk to them and you find out they're they're just normal people who were in extraordinary circumstances and 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 did things the right way it gives you the kind of confidence you need to to do great things as well that's exactly right, and the fact that you know we, here we are together at a model airplane event, and we're just talking models, and we're geeking out, and we're excited about you know the newest foamy on the on the ramp, or somebody brought out a, a custom built model. You know, John Morgan would pull one of his custom built masterpieces out of his trailer, and we would all just cuddle around and geek out. You know, it's just the passion for aviation went really deep with him. And for those who, you know, I've never been to his home, but I'd seen pictures of his collection. He had an extensive model collection and was uh, the ultimate model, you know, hoarder, if you will. <laughs> he had so many airplanes, but uh, I, I think it went so deep for him that it, you know, it just, he couldn't help himself. <laughs> it was really, uh, both Lee and I actually visited his hangar in his house for his estate sale. And it was, it was the most impressive thing I've ever seen for a model collection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, to, to put it uh, diplomatically. I mean, we just had to go. When we saw those pictures come online from Richard, Fitz mm. and I just made the, the plan to go up there. And we have a video online, uh, mm. if you haven't seen it yet. But, uh, man. Yes, I have. I, 
Yeah, we have. And I, I was just looking at one of the pictures because, I mean, you guys changed the uh, St. George event to a tribute to him Correct. and post all these photos. And I have a photo of him with the Pilatus Porter that I have, which unfortunately has seen better days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Colonel <laughs> Dave had a special <laughs> spell he put on all his planes so that it, it would only fly for him. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I don't, anyway, so I, I, I know I'll, on the on the happy note though, I did have the horrendous uh, the ladder gate uh, on the Pilatus Porter, but the the uh, the vampire that I got, which was the first plane I I really wanted, I did fly it best in tribute for him, and it flew great. So I was really happy about that. But yeah, I just was it was neat to see you you talk about him, and, and I just wanted to know your connection. And now we all have that. Uh, connection with him and yeah he was he was great uh advocate for our hobby boy when you saw his collection you just knew it was in his heart absolutely and tom blakeney had contacted me uh shortly after uh his passing and and had told me that he'd been over uh and and sort of assessed the collection and and toward the end after the sale you know he the the spruce goose which was one of dave's favorite airplanes i think it was hanging in his living room in his house uh still had not sold and Tom had reached out and said, you know, what do you think about, you know, buying this? And I said, absolutely. Uh, contacted uh, Colonel Graven's son, and uh, and we were able to work a deal where he was able to, to, to truck it, drive it out to Arizona, left it with a friend there in Arizona, and then I went out there recently and picked it up, and it's here in my home. I'm looking at it right now, as a matter of fact. Wow. And, uh, Did you know that fits? No, I didn't. Wow, we saw that. Fitz and I were there. We got pictures of it. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing that you have that plane. It is beautiful. It is. It's sitting here in the house, and uh, and it's. I'm so honored. I, I'm actually honored to to own the airplane. I don't even know if I'd ever fly it. To be quite honest with you, um, it, it was such a prized possession for him uh, that I believe it only flew once. I think Tom flew it. Flew one time, uh, and then uh, Colonel Graben just hung it up and and enjoyed it. So. Uh, yeah, to, to own anything that was that was special to Colonel Graben is such an honor for me. Matter of fact, we did a real quick. We did a tribute flight. Tom Blakeney and I did a tribute flight at Small back in June, where I flew John Morgan's F-100 Super Saber pusher, large pusher, and uh, Tom flew a ferry Firefly that was owned by Colonel Graben, and we did huh. some formation <clears throat> flying uh, with the two airplanes, and then. Uh, uh, I did a missing man pull-up with the F-100, which uh, Colonel Graben did fly the 100 as well. <laughs> and it, all, I had all to do to try to keep it together. I mean, I get teary-eyed while I'm trying to fly the airplane, but luckily, you know, it, it, all, it went off really well, and the spirit of Dave was there. Uh, and, uh, again, that's what this, for me, is all about. You know, we, we could talk about, hey, what's the next cool airplane and all that kind of stuff, and, and, and I'm excited like everybody, but I look at each one of these airplanes and know that there is a history uh, for, for especially the scale stuff, obviously, uh, there's a history uh, with that airplane for a lot of people. And I never take that for granted each time I'm flying it that I could have somebody in the audience or at the local field that has a connection to that airplane and and do my absolute best to, to honor them. Uh, and if I do know for a fact there is a veteran in the crowd who had a connection with the airplane or served in any way, I always offer them to come stand with me in the pilot box, uh, and that way they can experience the flight up close and uh, – yeah, you know, it's the least I can do. So what's what's Tony's plane? What is the plane that when you you pass on is going to be a favorite plane that you hope goes into good hands? Wow, good question. So I do have the EB sixty six, the one A scale EB sixty six here, oh. um, and uh, 
that will that will probably be the aircraft uh, because of uh, the team who put it together. Uh, the purpose of that model was to honor veterans, and uh, it's one of those models that you just smile every time you look at it. Um, that it's the only one that exists in the world. It's the only one that's ever been done, and uh, and that one is very special. So that would more than likely be the one. And, of course, the, the Cox 049 engine that I'll always carry with me. <laughs> Why don't you just go ahead and gold plate it and just stick it around your neck with a I got a chain? You know, I saw I, I, I saw a post recently where a guy had done that. He took a piston out of an oh. 049 and he hooked it to his jacket as part of his zipper. So <laughs> seriously, uh, one of the things we do as a hobby. I have another friend of mine. Uh, we go out and we find old aircraft wreck sites here in the high desert around Edwards Air Force Base. There's like 250. Uh, aircraft wrecks out here across strewn across the desert in the mountains uh and those flights originated originated out of edwards so we go out and we try to find those sites and evel and i have been to at least 70 crash sites and there's one guy every time he finds a little speck of metal at a site uh he punches a hole in it and he hangs it on his keychain so he's got a a keychain full of little scraps of metal and he can flip through them and tell you from what airplane they came from Uh, pretty amazing Well, well, Tony, uh, it's been such great having you on. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time out. It's been uh, lots of great stories, and your passion for the hobby is just... Uh, um, it matches ours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Infectious. Infectious is the word I'm looking for. <laughs> A close second. Close <laughs> second. Well, thanks, guys. It's been a real pleasure for me. I really appreciate being on. Always enjoying the time of uh, spending time with with folks who are passionate about the hobby and what you guys are doing is just is just fantastic. I love to see folks who are out there encouraging people, educating people, uh, and you, you bring an energy that I really appreciate. So thank you. Well, it's back at you too because I I have to tell you, uh, you know, the reason I wanted to get you on is because you produce some really good flight videos and you produce a lot of pictures and it's neat to see. Um, the new stuff that's coming out, like you said, it's it's gotten so much better. It's it's easier to get your hands on some really cool aircraft, and you know, when we are jealous that you get to to do that, but I'm I'm appreciative that you, we have someone like you who does a really good job of documenting it and and uh, really sharing some cool cool stuff with us. Well, thanks, guys. You know, for me, it's you know, I I know that Evelyn and I both know that we're in a very fortunate position, and that it's important to take what we do and share it with folks and, and, and obviously it helps motion it helps free wing it helps you know companies and businesses but at the end of the day uh, you know anybody could come in and do this it doesn't take a rocket scientist who knows how to fly airplanes to be able to do what we do and so uh, it, it, we look at this and go at it with a hey how do we keep people inspired how do we we try to encourage more participation in the hobby because uh, it could change tomorrow and we know that and you know and if it does and we we move on and do something else well then we're still going to get out there and geek out and have fun together and, and enjoy a time with our friends but uh, i'm glad that you guys are enjoying it we sure the heck have a good time we giggle a lot even when we go out and do photo shoots and stuff we're just giggling like a bunch of kids and just having so much fun doing this and uh, i'm glad you guys enjoy it as well all right then. Well, um, uh, I think the, we sucked up enough of your time, and uh, we certainly enjoyed your conversation. And we look forward to seeing what else Motion comes up with uh, in the future, and your your wonderful videos of that. Great <laughs> sure guys, you'll be very vocal on the forums as usual, and we look forward to seeing uh, what you guys can collaborate and come up with. I hope it's something uh, neat and British. Uh-oh, did I say that loud? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, uh, there, there is, there's lots of goodies, guys, and I, I'm really excited what, what we've got coming here soon. So, uh, you know, stay tuned. I, I know that uh, I, I will say that you guys won't be disappointed. I am pretty excited about some of the future announcements down the road, and uh, and I think you guys will enjoy. It. And matter of fact, I, I'd be glad to come back on, or maybe you can encourage Alpha to join in on your podcast to talk about some of the new stuff as it as it's released. Uh, oh, be excited! Yeah, can you put in a good word for us? I will. I will absolutely do that. Matter of fact, I, I spoke with him uh, just a few days ago and mentioned this podcast, and he was tickled to hear us uh, getting together. And uh, and he just did one recently as well. So he's 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 he does a lot of podcasts as well. So I think it's good for him as well. Yeah, we love. Yeah, I think on. he was on RC After Hours recently. Correct. Yeah. Oh, cool beans. Well, let's uh, hopefully we can hook him up and get him on and interrogate him some. <laughs> can you so, confirm or deny no just kidding Fitz is going to play a little subliminal background message <laughs> Lee's going to keep saying MiG-25 MiG-25 <laughs> O2 Skymaster <laughs> I'm going to and I'm going to say text compatible transmitter <laughs> uh, good stuff guys well thanks again for the invite enjoyed the conversation I can't believe how fast this has gone but uh Always a blast to chat about the hobby, and, and thanks so much for what you all are doing. Oh, yeah. Thank well, you, too. Certainly for welcome back, too. Thanks, guys. We're, we look forward to it. <laughs> all right. On that note, we'll see you guys next time. All right. Take care. Please visit our website at rcroundtable.com, where you can send us comments and suggestions or listen to our other great podcasts where you will also find links to our iTunes and social media sites. Thanks for listening.